This is Five on Three. Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Welcome into another edition of Five on Three, just a few hours before game six between the Islanders and the Lightning at the Nassau Coliseum. Mike Messina, Tyler Mooney, I'm Chris Hennessy, and we want to thank, before we begin, and uh, Alex Wolves and Andrew Galata for putting together uh, that awesome intro you just heard, a new intro for one of our last episodes of this season, but we'll have it going forward, of course, and we'll update it as necessary. Um, but cool stuff out of them, so we thank them. Of course, and uh, gentlemen, a big game tonight for the Islanders after a complete no-show on Monday and one of the most embarrassing performances you could ever imagine and ever dream up. Um, I think if you asked me worst-case scenario on Monday afternoon, Mike, I would have come up with something that was better than that, honestly. Chris, I don't even – I can't find the words to say what what that performance was like for me. Um, An an 8 nothing loss in – Game five of the semifinals is not what you were looking for. As an Islanders fan, no less it's a – I can understand it's on the road, but you can't be getting beat 8 nothing, man. That was a despicable performance. I'm not sure how many goals each goaltender let in. I know – It was three for Varley and five four. for Sorokin. Yeah, yeah. Sorokin let in five goals, three for Varley. I mean, that's a terrible performance. I mean, going into the game, maybe they should have given – Sorokin a chance two games ago in game three. Who knows? But for Varlamov to come out like that, let up the three goals, get pulled. Sorokin, an even worse performance than, than Varlamov had. I don't know where their heads are at. Um, going in tonight, they have pretty much everything on, on the plate laid out for them right now. They're home in game six, which is everything they could have asked for. Obviously, a must-win game for the Islanders tonight. I don't I don't know what's going to happen. I, I don't. I, I I'm, I've been trying to think of it all morning if the Islanders are going to have it in them to pull out this last game um, or, or, or if that was kind of like the icing on the cake for them losing 8 nothing in Tampa and will they be able to bounce back from that? I'm not sure. But Varlamov is going to have to play on his toes tonight from the second the puck drops to the second the last whistle blows. And I think he will, but I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to be enough for them offensively-wise to, to beat the Lightning tonight in Game 6. Yeah, that's just a game where you pretty much – I'm sure they didn't even, like, talk about it that much after, you know, you've made it this far. You know what has gotten your team to this point, and it's just a terrible game. Every single aspect of the game, the goalies weren't good. They weren't really creating much on offense. Defense, you gave up eight goals, so it's not all on the goaltender. Like, the Lightning were pretty much dominating the entire game from the opening whistle. So that's a game where you pretty much – you just have to – you have to put it behind you because – now your season's on the line tonight. If you don't win, you're going home and it would be a very, very bad way for this season. to end. after all the good things the Islanders have done to have a lasting impression, be this eight, nothing shellacking that they got, which is not an accurate representation of the team that they are. So I, I think it's going to be very interesting too. I've been trying to decide what's going to happen as well, Mike, because it's always interesting to see how a team can respond. They didn't just lose. They got absolutely embarrassed in the biggest game that many of these players have ever played in. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see if they can respond. I think they will respond. I think Barry Trotz, I mean, he's one of the best coaches in the NHL for a reason. I think this is why you have a coach like Barry Trotz to kind of calm the team down and just, you got to move forward. So I think they probably can get it done tonight, but 
it's going to be very interesting to respond. And Tampa, I mean, they are clicking on all cylinders right now. They looked unbeatable in that game. You're starting every game down one nothing because Braden Point scores every time he touches the ice. Every time he's on the ice, yeah. Greg Wyshynski, I I stole that from Wyshynski. I'm not going to lie. Like Greg Wyshynski from ESPN has been covering this series for them. And Stamco scores. He goes, okay, one nothing Lightning, 45 seconds in. Actually, it's 2 nothing because Braden Point's going to score. I read that tweet. I was like, I can't tell him. I can't say he's wrong. (laughs) Scores in every freaking game. And it's like, I've seen a lot on Twitter. Like, there are some people on Twitter who were like, all right, like exactly what Tyler just said. Like, what are you going to do? Eight nothing, it happens. Just, just move on. And some people were like, well, expected goals was 5.5. Like, I don't care what the expected goals was. It was like 5.5 to 2.2. Great. You still lost 5 to 2. You still didn't show up in the biggest game in 37 years. St- still. So why do I care what the expected goals was and how good Vasilevsky is? Yeah, the best freaking goalie in the world. Like, okay, he's the best goalie on the planet. When the first goal went in 45 seconds in, the game was over. They got beat to every loose buck. They gave up countless odd man chances. The yes, they got bounces that went against them. That is potentially like 0.7 or 8 as to why they lost this game. They were awful, awful in the biggest game in 38 years. They had a chance to come to this building and win a game to go to the Stanley Cup final for the first time since 1984. And they blew that. And yeah, you know, they lost, they won two games, two game fives on the road. And it feels like it's very hard to win three games in a row against this team who hasn't lost back-to-back games since the sweep against Columbus in the playoffs. You know, every coming off a loss, each of the last two playoffs, Tampa has won the next game and they haven't gone to a game seven either um, in either of the last two playoff runs. The Islanders looking to change that for sure. Both of those things is they, you know, look to go to the Stanley Cup final. Um, and it's a shame that, and I, I partially to blame because I pick the days sometimes, uh, but it is a shame we're doing this today and not after game four, because game four is one of my favorite Islander games I've ever watched in my entire life. Uh, that was Saturday night. Why Saturday night? Let's hold on aside. Why Saturday at eight o'clock? Can we stop the this? time? The, the NHL is so bad at scheduling games lately. It is crazy. Four o'clock, one o'clock noon. Can you imagine if that was a new – whatever. That's not the point. An 8 p.m. game on Saturday night, Chris. God, 8 p.m. It didn't end until 11 o'clock. It's a Saturday. Unbelievable game, right? 0-0 after the first period. They dominate the second. They put three past Vasilevsky, and they give up the two. And I was at a graduation party on Saturday, so I was following through the second period. I get in the car at the beginning of the third. I turn it on the radio. I my, This person's house 15 minutes away from mine. From the time I left their driveway to the time I got into mine, it was 3-2. From three nothing to three to two, and I was like, "Oh my god, like what the hell?" And I get home, my everybody's watching it, and then I I still can't believe the pool lock save. I I just cannot believe that that happened. And it, it, if they go on to win six more games, and they go on to win the next even the next two, you can make an argument it's the second biggest play in franchise history um, behind the overtime goal to win the eighty Stanley Cup final. But I mean. It's just, it just sucks that you follow that up with an eight to nothing loss to completely suck the mojo. And um, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, tonight is a huge game, a huge, huge, huge game. And doesn't get any bigger than this until Friday, assuming the game happens. Um, Doesn't get any bigger than this. And 
I will pick the Islanders for my own sanity because I keep doing it. They have not let me down yet, but uh, this is probably the least confident I've been in this entire playoff. I was very confident they were going to be Pittsburgh. I was very confident that they're going to beat Boston. I was extremely confident going into game six against Boston. Um, and I was confident going into this series, honestly, and especially coming out of game four. Um, probably the least confident I've been, but I still do think they're going to win because this, this team finds a way to, to win games. And they're 6-0 and in the final game at the Coliseum. They won <laughs> game six five years ago. Six years ago against Washington, it actually in what was actually the final game of the Coliseum, they won Game Six and lost Game Seven. Then they won um, Game Four against Pittsburgh, Game Six against Pittsburgh, Game Four against um, Boston, Game Six against Boston, and Game Four against Tampa. So that's six. But um, this building isn't going to go down without a fight. I said that two weeks ago. So we'll see how it goes. Um, although. It's, it, you know, it's one fifteen and it's already one nothing because Braden Point. We got to talk about Braden Point because this guy is running away with the Consmite Trophy right now with eight goals in eight straight games, which is the second longest streak in history. Um, and it, it's, it's unbelievable. This is the kind of guy that puts this team over the edge, right? The 2015 Lightning had Ben Bishop, who was very good. He wasn't the best goalie in the world at the time, but he was good enough to get get them to the Eastern conference and they had Steven Stamkos and they had the emergence of Kucherov and Tyler Johnson. And they had Victor Hedman who was really good in his sixth and NHL season at that time, but they didn't have Braden point. And maybe you could say that's the reason they lost to Chicago that year. All of a sudden they add Braden point. He becomes the player we now know as Braden point last year. They haven't lost back-to-back playoff games. They haven't gone to a game seven. This guy is unbelievable, Tyler. And I mean, it has, I'm not a betting man. It has to be plus money for him on the Conn Smythe right now. I mean, how could it not be? Yeah. I mean, he's just finding – he scores in every way imaginable too. He'll come down the wing and snipe one, and then he had the goal in game three or four, I believe, where he's like falling down in front of the net. <laughs> game three. Yeah, he's just That's the awesome. definition, honestly, of a playoff performer. He, he gets to the dirty areas. He's not afraid to, to play physical, but he's also – he's scoring every game, and he is the kind of player that you need to win a Stanley Cup. He proved it last year. He could have easily won Con Smythe if they didn't give it to Hedman. And yeah, I agree. I don't know who else you give it to at this point. You can make the argument for Vasilevsky, but I mean, the way that point is scoring literally every single game, I don't think you can really pick anyone besides him. And if he keeps playing the way he's playing, I mean, you're right. It's literally a guaranteed goal every game. It's incredible. We haven't seen anything like it in a very long time. Say what Braden point is plus 350 to win the He He's tied for the favor right now with Carey Price and Vasilevsky. So, so the three of them right now are the front runners, front runners to win okay. the Conn Smythe. That's, That's fair. Which, which make, it makes sense. I mean, how, how can they not be? Um, the guy's a walking goal. He's a walking goal. Every time he steps foot onto the ice, he makes a play. He does something in order to give himself a chance or one of his teammates a chance to score a goal. And that's really all he's asked to do. Like, he, he does his job perfectly. He's great at what he does. And he's is showing no signs of slowing down during these playoffs right now. So, I mean – if I'm an Islander or an Islanders fan, I'm worried. I, I want him off the ice every possible second throughout this game that, that we can get him off the ice. Um, the, he, he is going to be killing the Islanders for years to come, killing many organizations for years to come. He, he's a phenomenal player, and he's been showing it throughout this playoffs, Chris. Like you said, the record with goal streaks, it, it's insane. 
Um, but I want to backtrack to that Pulak save. I didn't get to watch it live because um, obviously it, it ended at 1130 at night. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I saw it the next morning. That is one of the best saves I have ever seen in my entire life. Not just by a goalie, not, not just by a player, by anybody. That was phenomenal. And, and if that save's not made, the Islanders don't win that game. Tampa comes back and wins that game. Wait, 100%. I'd say under one minute into OT. It would take one minute for them to finish that game into overtime. And Pulak just came out of absolutely nowhere and made that phenomenal save. The great move by McDonough and then to get it to his backhand and at least get even get the shot off when Varlamov was coming towards him, man. It was incredible to see. Absolutely incredible save. And then Monday night, I wanted to get your guys' opinion on this, that Barzala cross-checked to the head. No suspension receives just a fine. What are your guys' thoughts on the no suspension to that hit and, and just on the hit in general? I, I, I'm happy they didn't suspend him. It would have been a huge, a, a huge shame if the Islanders' best player was suspended for the, the, their biggest game of the season. Um, I, I mean, I'm fine with the fine. It was, you know, a dirty play. They were both going at each other. I mean, it, 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 stuff like that happens in the playoffs all the time. I get why you'd want to maybe kick him out of the game at that point because the game had already gotten out of hand. I mean, what was it, 6 nothing, 5 nothing at that point? So you don't really want to prolong the issue at any point. Cause you know, then you have a chance a lightning player takes a shot at Barzell. So I didn't really have a problem with the way the officials handed it, but I mean, yeah, I, I agree with the no suspension. It would have been very unfortunate to see him be suspended for game six. And I think the NHL kind of understood that. I thought for sure he was going to get suspended. So did I, I thought for sure. I thought without a doubt, I think even the regular season, he probably does. I agree with that. Yeah. The guy is skating away from him towards the bench. Barzell re-engages. Yes, there's there's crap happening in the slot. Whatever. I mean, it's a six-nothing game. Like, you know, whatever. Doesn't matter. Guy skating to the bench, he engages with him, he pops him in the face. And did the did Ruta take a dive? Maybe. Oh, embellishment a hundred percent. Probably. Could he have played the third period? Did Cooper hold him out trying to guilt the DLPS into a suspension a hundred percent I think that that absolutely happened and that's just gamesmanship I'm not blaming John Cooper for anything I think that that is just like what happened um I I I really did think he was gonna get suspended and it was a sigh of relief when he didn't um it wouldn't have been more than one game but um but this is the biggest game they have right now If, if they don't win this game there is no next game so exactly so yeah, I am very grateful he didn't, but I, I certainly did think he would. Um, that's all I got. Anybody else on the aisles? Because I am just – I'm ready. I'm ready for the game, and I want them to win six more, but I am emotionally exhausted right now. I, I'm jealous I'm not in your shoes, but I'm ecstatic I'm not in your shoes. <laughs> I would love for the Rangers to be in a game six right now, but, man, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine the nerves, the nerves that yeah. are going through right now for you so so i'm happy i'm not there but i'm jealous what, what, what i'll leave this with is in 2018 barry trotz obviously won the stanley cup at the washington capitals they lose game five to the lightning in the eastern conference finals to go down three to two they come back win six and seven and go on to win the stanley cup against the vegas golden knights so i do have something to say a little food for thought there what are the Montreal Canadiens going to be in the Stanley Cup? The finals? Montreal Canadiens are going to the Stanley Cup. Uh, are. are they going to they be are. in the Stanley Cup finals? Guys? So yes. They just won they in are. Vegas again last they night, are. four to one, in a dominating performance. Mark Andre Fleury was fine. 
Um, I would say fine. I wouldn't say great. I wouldn't say bad. I thought it was fine. Carey Price is freaking outstanding. Where Where is this guy in January every year? Because in January every year, there's a hit piece like, oh, Carey Price has lost it. Who should start for Canada in the Olympics? It's like, okay, first off, who cares? And second off, yeah, he's lost it. He's in his mid-30s. But now all of a sudden, he's won it was seven in a row, and now it's game five. So 10 of his last 12 games, they, he's dominating one of the best offenses in the league, an offense that just dominated one of the best defensive cores in the league in Colorado, and another an event, <laughs> candidate, Philip Grubauer. And this team is one win away from going to the Stanley Cup final in their building in front of like 3,000 people. The only reason this is a nightmare for the NHL is that game, I mean, well, if the, oh, no, they're, they're the four seed no matter what. So game three, four, and six of the Stanley Cup final will be played in front of less than 4,000 people, which is going to be a disaster um, when you had, you know, the World Series played in front of a bunch of people, when you had, you know, the NBA finals going to be going on at the same time in front of a bunch of people. It's, go- it's not going to be the best look, but they'll take it to have that team, that logo in the Stanley Cup final for the first time since 93. Um, they've won two games in Vegas, Tyler. How? I mean, it's incredible what they're doing. And I agree with you. There's no way they've went on this in this magical run since game five versus Toronto, get to one win away from the Stanley Cup final, and then they lose the next two. I mean, that, it, that's just not how Cinderella runs work. They have, they have to make it to the finals at this point. And yeah, I mean, Carey Price, every re- this regular season was not different than the last couple of ones. He, he wasn't great. The Canes, were, they started off hot, but then they struggled for pretty much most of the rest of the season. And everybody's wondering, oh, like Carey Price, he doesn't have it anymore. He doesn't have it. And then the playoffs come around and he's literally a completely different goalie. And yeah, he's, he's helping carry this team. And what they've done, not just Carey Price, but the entire Canadians team, what they've been able to do to the top goal scorers of the Vegas Knights is nothing short of astonishing because, I mean, Pacioretty finally scored his first of the series, I believe, last night. But Stone hasn't scored. I don't even think he has a point in the series. Carlson, Tuck, Marcuso, all these guys who completely dominated the first two rounds of the playoffs have been absolutely silent. And that's the big story of this series. That's why the Canadians are one win away because this team, which doesn't really have any superstars, I'd say. I mean, I guess Carey Price, you could say, is a superstar, but skaters wise, I mean, I don't think, I think their highest paid skater is making like five and a half million. Like they don't have the star player, they have Shea Weber. But I wouldn't really categorize his, him as a superstar anymore. I mean, he's playing outstanding right now, but they just have four lines. They have three great defensive pairings, and they're, I mean, they're playing as a team. And you're seeing what's happening. This is kind of a different model than the, you know, the Toronto's and the Tampa Bay's, which have these stacked lines where they're paying guys over $10 million a year. The Canadians are the complete opposite of that. And it's been honestly really fun to watch them because every single time there's a player on the ice there, it doesn't seem like they're ever outmatched because they always have a line. They always have players on the ice that are able to make plays. It's been my, it's been Suzuki and my man gold call field guys. They <laughs> have been absolutely lighting the ice up every time they step on it. And I love to see it. I said it probably a week or two weeks back. Cole Caulfield is going to be a huge part of this playoff run for the Montreal Canadiens. And yeah, he sure has, he sure has been a huge, a huge help to them. And I don't think, I don't think he's ready to slow down. I really don't think he's ready to slow down and take his foot off the gas. I think he's going to keep going. And that's exactly what they need, especially if they're going to win this game, this next game um, and have a chance to win the Stanley cup finals for the first time 
or get there for the first time in what 20 years um they're gonna need them and in my opinion i don't know how you guys feel about this mark andre Fleury should not see the ice another game the rest of the series he shouldn't have seen the ice yet last night he should not have played robin leonard should have been in net and should be in net going forward because on uh mark andre Fleury has not had it this entire series i Leonard earned the right to lose the net, if that makes sense. He, he won. He, they he won the last game. He right. deserves a shot to be in net. He played great. Mark Andre Fleury has just not had it, man, and it sucks because he's a great goaltender. He at one point was the favorite, I think, going into this series or during the series to win the Conn Smythe. He was the favorite for that. So I mean, there comes a point. He, he's not playing well. Robin Leonard came in, played a phenomenal game, got the Knights the win. I don't. I was so confused as well. One, I was confused as to see Robin Leonard be starting. I was very confused at that. Played a great game, won the game. He deserves that net. He deserved the last night, and he deserves it going forward. There's no way. There's no way we should be seeing Mark Andre Fleury start the next game of this series. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I think it's something we've talked about where Fleury is older and he's not used to playing this many games in a row, and that's why Leonard got the nod for Game One against Colorado. And that did not work out so well. And yeah, game three was not Flurry's best. And it was time in the eyes of Pete DeBoer to switch over. And, and it worked out. I don't know why you wouldn't give Leonard the opportunity to lose it, lose that net. You know, uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. But I can't imagine them going away from Flurry in an elimination game now. That's the only thing I, that, I, that prevents me from saying Leonard's going to start tomorrow is now it's an elimination game where you've, you've been riding this guy all regular season long because of Leonard's injury. I, I still think he's going to start. I wouldn't start him, but it seems like they're, they're riding Flurry until they die here and it's kept for the one night he needs rest. Um, at 36 years old, though, or 35, 36, it doesn't feel sustainable, and they're paying a lot of money to their goalies, and they're just not utilizing that weapon that they have better than any team in the league besides like the Islanders have a good one, but Sorokin's still largely unproven. I mean, Leonard's are number one on any other team. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's the goaltending situation is very confusing to me. It, it is. They've put themselves in a weird position too. Cause you guys said it, if you were going to give Leonard, like Leonard earned the right to start game five with the way he played in game four, but the fact that you didn't give him the net. Yeah. It feels it would feel weird if they then gave him the net tonight. I think they should, but I agree with you, Chris. I don't think they will. I think they've shown that Flurry is their guy for better or for worse. But that, yeah, they. I mean, this is this is one of the big reasons why Vegas has had so much success is because they're able to switch goalies like this and they don't really lose anything. And the fact that they're not utilizing it now at the point of the season where that advantage could become so evident, it, it is mind-boggling. I can make the same, especially action. when a lot of the goals go. A lot of the goals Mark Andre Fleury gives up, or him mishandling puck behind the net, or making a bad pass out of the crease. Like they're strictly some of the goals are strictly on him that can easily be prevented if he just took his time and got the puck out of the zone and didn't make a stupid pass right out in front of the net. I mean, it's inexcusable, and I don't agree with the decision to to put him out there yesterday. But I, I do agree with you guys that. I don't know how I don't know how they can just now go back to Robin Leonard after, after giving Mark Andre Fleury that the, the net last night. So so it doesn't make any sense. He shouldn't be starting, but I, th- I think he will be. But he definitely, in my opinion, should not be should not be in there. But 
we'll see. And if he earned, if he earns that net back, then I'm happy to say I'm wrong, but we'll see. We'll have to see, but uh, game six between Vegas and Montreal in Montreal is tomorrow. And um, they won two freaking games in Vegas. I can't believe it. Um, speaking of Vegas, the former and first ever head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights is now the coach of the New York Rangers, Gerard Gallant. We mentioned it last week. We have a press conference to talk about today. I thought he was good. Um, it was very hockey boy press conference, just kind of blah, 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 get pucks in, hit hard, power play. Ooh, great. I mean, fantastic. We're not going to know until October. Um, that's how these things go. Um, I don't put a ton of stock into these press conferences in hockey because they say what they need to say and move on. Um, but I thought he was good. Mike has a couple of cuts for us, so let's uh, set those up and then we'll discuss. So one of them is Galad's introductory statement and kind of his first remarks as uh, the coach of the Rangers. Talks about the immediate priorities for the team, uh, the team identity, and talk about all 23 players uh, performing and what he expects out of the entire roster from Panarin all the way down uh, to the rookies. So let's give that a listen. I'm very fortunate to get this opportunity. I'd like to thank Jim and Chris for the opportunity to be the next Rangers head coach. A very exciting time for me and my family. And I'm looking forward to going to New York to get settled, get my staff together and get right down to work. So exciting time for me and my family. Uh, it's an honor to be able to coach the New York Rangers. And uh, like I said, I'm really looking forward to it. So thank you. Well, uh, you know, obviously the, the media priority is going to be uh, let's get to build a coaching staff here over the next little while. And uh, like I said, hopefully that doesn't take too long. We'll build a coaching staff and get uh, prepared for training camp. And the most thing is, you know, we got lots of time this summer to, to get our videos ready and get our preparation ready for the players come training camp in the middle of September. So, you know, we'll get ready for camp. We'll have a hard camp. We'll get them ready for regular season. But uh, again, putting the get together a coaching staff is going to be really important for us. I want it to be the hardest working team in the league. I want us to compete hard, to battle hard, to make teams say, you know what, that team works hard every night. They compete hard for 60 minutes, and that's why they're, you know, they're winning hockey games every night. So we can do a lot of good things. We can be skilled. We can be talented. But if the work doesn't come first, you know, the skill and talent doesn't get, get too far down the road. So I want to make sure we're working hard every night and compete hard every night. Well, I got 23 players that are going to be on our roster, and I'm expecting them all to be good players. And uh, all, all the play. You know, they're all different players. They all play different styles. But, uh, and I said it earlier in the press conference, I want 23 guys knowing what their, opportunity, what their jobs are and what their responsibilities on the ice. And uh, that's what makes a good hockey team. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. So uh, thank you, Mike, for putting all that together. And you were there um, from your home. So there. <laughs> so what were your thoughts on the press conference as a whole? And, um, the future for the blue shirts going forward. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a, a good press conference. I thought both Gallant and Drury had interesting things to say. Um, what really struck my eye about Gallant's portion of the interview uh, of the press conference um, that was that what he wants his priorities to be when he first gets there, his immediate priorities. He wants physicality on his team, and he mentioned that he he said. He's trying to base his team off how the Stanley Cup playoffs is going through is going on right now, and he's aware that they need physicality on that team, whether it's going out and getting someone to draft or, or trading for somebody. But he's very aware that there's a lot of missing pieces on this team, and, and it seems like he's ready to get them, and, and that really caught my eye with that. And another thing was that 
he wants them to be the hardest working team in the league. He said that throughout the entire press conference, he wants other teams to come out and be like, wow, the Rangers play hard every single night, no matter what the score of the game is. When they lose, they lost hard. When they win, they won hard. And that's something that I feel like can easily get lost uh, in a team and with coaches. Um, winning is good, but if you're not winning and playing to the best ability, how happy is, how happy is everybody on the team? How happy is the coaching staff? So him, him straight up saying that he wants them to be the hardest working team in the league. And I, I mean, how can he not believe that they could possibly be that after what Galan has done in the juniors with Vegas, his first two years. I mean, I have, I have all the confidence in the world with, with, with them going forward. And I think honestly, I, I didn't think he was going to be the guy for the Rangers before they hired him, but reading up on him and listening to him talking about his philosophy of hockey and just what he's about has changed my perspective so much on him. And I, I think the blue shirts, man, they have all the potential in the world to be a playoff team, a Stanley cup contender team, a Stanley cup winning team. So I'm excited. And both him and Drury have a lot on their plates going forward with setting up a new coaching staff. And they said, that's pretty much the next step they're going to go to. They're going to be talking with and working with each other to, Phil Gallant's staff. So I'm ready to see, see where they go for those directions, but I'm excited, man. Um, think, think, think he has so much potential, so much potential for the head coach of the Rangers. And I'm excited to see what he can do for the team. Yeah. My first thing I wanted to mention is, you know, he did say a lot about, he wants that team to be working hard. And we know that Joe Micheletti is going to absolutely love that because we know that's his favorite line to say. He's a guy who works hard, but um, I think that, aspect and then you know the skaters one through 23 that all ties together and I think that's something that you know the Rangers really need because you know the Rangers seem to have the skill aspect down they got you know Panarin Mika these recent high-end draft picks they got the Fox and the Lundquist coming over on defense so I think you know for the most part the foundation for the skill of a cup winning team has been set but what they do lack and it was apparent this season, but especially in the bubble season is that bottom six, it needs improvement because when their top guys, the Panarins and the Mikas aren't going, which over the course of an entire season, there's going to be games where that happens. The team really didn't have anything and they were a very skill-based team. And, you know, we saw this a lot against the Islanders this season and as well as in the bubble when, you know, the skill plays weren't working, the team really had nothing. So I think the you know, getting the players to play the right way, getting them to play hard that way when, you know, Panarin has an off game, your bottom six guys can step up. And also, you know, you're just, yeah, you're harder to play against. When the, the Rangers, you know, they try these long passes, they try these beautiful passing plays in the offensive zone. And when they work, yeah, it's amazing. And you're going on the NHL Instagram, but when they don't work, you really have no chance to win the game. And I think we saw a lot of that, especially in the second half of the David Quinn era especially when the games started to mean more because they really didn't mean anything the first half so I think that you know getting the team to play the right way night in and night out and get these young players especially to to learn how to compete night in and night out because that's what you need to do to win in the Stanley Cup playoffs we've seen how grueling these series go and you know these teams that are playing right now they still have to finish these series out and then play the most intense series the Stanley Cup final so I think that just getting the one through 23, especially because you need the entire team if you want to succeed. And I think the Rangers really haven't had that. They've been kind of just riding on their big guys, which, you know, it works in the regular season, but if you want to make it far in the playoffs, it's not going to work. So I really liked hearing that from go on. 
And I, and I like that he, he also mentioned that you can't just stick a young developing player on the fourth line and let him progress from there because it's not going to happen. And that's something that really stuck out to me because it goes along with his philosophy of needing all the, needing all 23 players on the team to be active and, and be good at what they're supposed to be good at and playing hard. I mean, it all goes hand in hand. And I, I like that. He, he also thinks that you can't just stick a young Alexi Lafreniere or a Kako on the fourth line and just let him ride there and try and progress from there. Cause it's not going to happen. And I like, I like where his head's at. I like his philosophy of the game. So I got all the confidence in the world right now going forward. As I well. liked that. I like that too, but I will say that is 100% going to come back and backfire on him because I have no doubt in my mind that at some point in the season, we will see, you know, Vitaly Kravstov or someone like that playing on the fourth line and Rangers Twitter will absolutely lose their minds. So absolutely. I like that he said that, but there's no way that that does not come back to bite him. I agree with that, Tyler. I was going to say the same thing. Call me up when Phil, Philip Peedle's taking fourth line minutes with Phil DiGiuseppe. DiGiuseppe, excuse me. But this is a big offseason for the Rangers, right? We've discussed it before. think that Drury hit this out of the park, getting best available for the coach. But all the free agents are, you know, as, you know, they're free agents now. They have $23.7 million in cap space. You know, DiGiuseppe, Bushnevich, Gautier, Howden, Heedle, Smith, Hayek, and Shesterkin. Those are the guys who are free agents. You're going to want to keep some of them. Shesterkin, number one. Booch, if you can. Um, Hayek, he's only 23. I don't think it's time to give up on him. Howden and Heedle. Some of those other guys you can get rid of. You have to rebuild that fourth line. Um, and you have an expansion draft to worry about, too, which is a whole thing for a rookie GM. Um, he was obviously there with the Vegas draft, so it's you know a little bit familiar now. But that'll be interesting as well to see how he handles uh, the expansion draft and you also have Jack Eichel, and that is a huge prize that the Rangers have been tied to since about January now, or February, when Eichel went out and when all this, he was unhappy with the team stuff came out, and, and the Rangers have been tied to him since then. Now, we flash forward to the offseason, and there's a lot of teams tied to Jack Eichel, and that is concerning if you're a ranger fan but i think really interesting if you're a fan of any other team and especially the buffalo sabers because you're going to be able to get a really good offer i think it looks like it's down to la anaheim minnesota the rangers with an outside chance of carolina or colorado although i don't necessarily believe in either one of those so if it's one of those teams right you're going to end up with a top prospect you're going to have to replace him at the center position somehow would you be willing to give up the first round pick either Lafreniere or Kako and Mika to get Jack Eichel on this team? Yes or no? I probably wouldn't if I'm being honest. I was fully on board and I said this, Chris, I think it was just me and you on, on the episode. I said, Mika is going to be the center piece to this entire transaction. And looking back now, Eichel's going into probably getting his next surgery that he needs. And I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know if, if I'd make that trade now. I, I don't know if I'd make that trade, especially with new coaches coming in, new GM coming in, giving them kind of everything they need to, to be set up to succeed. I, I don't know if I give two and a first round draft pick away for someone we know who, what he's capable of, but just not know what he's physically capable of as of now after injuries and getting the surgery. So no, I don't, I don't think I would, honestly. 
I think he's going to end up in Anaheim personally. It sounds like LA has fallen out of it in the last couple of weeks. And Anaheim has these two top prospects that they say they don't want to deal, but the GM, right. Of course. But the, but the GM is on thin ice over there and uh, Murray. And I think, I think that either Zegras or Drysdale, probably Zegras because they're going to draft Owen power at defense is going to go. Uh, that that's how I see it. That it's going to be one of the roster players from Anaheim, whether that's Raquel or Steele or Terry along those lines, not a Getzlov. He's a free agent anyways, but not that kind of player. Plus Zegras, which is their number one forward prospect plus the third overall pick for Jack Eichel. It's a lot. It is a lot, but he's a really, really good player signed for a really, really long time with a GM who really, really needs to get this writer is going to be fired. I, I would love to see him get traded to a more relevant team. Of course, that would be the Rangers. Minnesota comes to mind with that Carolina, of course. But it just doesn't feel like in this flat cap where any of those teams are going to be able to afford it. Although the Rangers probably could out of all those teams, doesn't feel like anybody else will really be able to. So Tyler, like I personally think he's going to Anaheim, um, but that's not really wholehearted. But one thing I know is he's not staying in Buffalo. Yeah. I like that. If I had to pick one team, I was thinking before the episode, probably Anaheim, um, a sneaky, you know, a sneaky storyline here. There's, been a lot out there about the Sabres don't want to trade him into the Eastern conference, which the only team really interested in him seriously would be the Rangers. And I guess maybe Columbus. So, you know, do the Sabres end up taking a little bit less of a package to get him out West? Because I mean, if the Rangers really wanted Jack Eichel, I think they could put together the best package. I don't think any other team in the NHL could outbid them in that sense. So do they want him that bad where they'd be willing to give up a Lafreniere or Kako? It doesn't seem like they do at this point. I feel like those guys are pretty untouchable. And if you're not trading them, then yeah, I don't see a way that they'd be able to outbid an Anaheim for like a Zegras or something like that. But that's going to be very interesting to see, to see if they can, um, you know, if the Sabres end up taking a little bit less to try and get him out West, because it would be much better for them and for their fan base if they can, ship Jack Eichel to Anaheim versus New York city where they would see his highlights every night. Yeah. And, and that, that's another thing, Tyler, you mentioned the, how they don't want to trade him to somewhere in the East, which I mean, you can't blame them. Why, why, why would they, why would they want to have to go in and to face somebody of that caliber? But there's no one out of those five teams who can outbid the Rangers, but I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Lafreniere is even, up for debate. I think he's an absolute lock to be on the Rangers next season, no matter what. I think if they have to give up one of the two, it's going to be Kako. And I don't even think they're going to do that. I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to get rid of Mika. I don't think they're, I don't think Eichel's going to be a Ranger anymore. My, my, my perception has completely switched over the last couple of weeks. And I, I don't see him becoming a Ranger one because they don't want to give up the assets we have. And two, Buffalo's going to want a complete haul for him to keep him in the East. So I think, think he's going to be out west think he's maybe la still they still they're still in the running maybe anaheim but it, it's going to be somewhere out west for sure another team that's entered the fold recently is chicago too which is interesting because they have Kirby. i could Goff. see that i would like that i would you like that basically would... reset the clock on your franchise center because he's 19 years old he's barely played in the nhl third overall pick a couple years ago 
supposed to be the captain for Team Canada, the World Juniors, him breaking his wrist is the reason we won a gold medal back in January. Um, so I think that that would be an interesting one as well. The question there is what, like, what is the rest of your team, right? Because now you have ten plus million dollars signed to three forwards and Taze, Kane, and Eichel. Like, what is the rest of your team in that at that point? I would love it from a United States perspective because then Eichel and Kane get a little bit of camaraderie before the Olympics. That'd be nice. But um, I don't know. It's going to be super, super interesting. And we were saving this and Seth Jones and all this other stuff for off season to focus on the Islanders and the playoff run. But this feels like it could happen pretty soon. I'm not saying it's going to happen before the Stanley cup final ends, but this is picking up steam every day. And it's got a lot of people who usually would be focused on, a, a playoff run talking about Jack Eichel. So I thought it was interesting um, just to bring up today. Um, just a couple of weeks before the end of this season, we'll have a, so much more on that stuff coming up in the off season, of course, as we go into a really interesting summer in the NHL, June 23rd game six between the Islanders and the lightning. If you're going to win one game at that Coliseum, please God, let it be tonight. Holy smokes. This is a big one. Um, Sir Tyler Mooney and Mike Messina. I'm Chris Hennessy. We'll talk to you next week with a Stanley Cup final preview.